welcome everyone to Acts 25. We will have the first three verses. Thestus then, having arrived in the province, three days later went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. And the chief priests and the leading men of the Jews brought charges against Paul, and they were urging him, requesting a concession against Paul, that he might have brought him to Jerusalem, at the same time setting an ambush to kill him on the way. We don't know much about Festus. It seems that he desired to rule well. This may be evidenced by his going to Jerusalem for three days. Everyone in the empire probably knew how riotous Jerusalem was. It seems that he wanted to begin on the right foot with them. While there, the chief priests and some other higher class men approached Festus, requesting that he allow Paul to return to Jerusalem so that they could have another trial. Their true motive, though, was to kill Paul on the way. It's incredible that even after two years of relative silence from Paul, the religious leaders still wanted him killed. This was even a new high priest, Ishmael, who had replaced Jonathan, who'd been killed by Felix. Verses 4-6 to Festus then answered that Paul was being kept in custody at Caesarea and that he himself was about to leave shortly. Therefore, he said, let the influential men among you go there with me, and if there is anything wrong about the man, let them prosecute him. After he had spent not more than eight or ten days among them, he went down to Caesarea, and on the next day he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. Festus apparently felt better with just doing another trial instead of granting the Jews their request. He asked them to come to Caesarea. Festus remained in Jerusalem, somewhere between eight to ten days, and went back to Caesarea. The very next day, Paul was brought before him. Verses 7 through 9. After Paul arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him, which they could not prove. While Paul said in his own defense, I have committed no offense either against the law of the Jews or against the temple or against Caesar. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and stand trial before me on these charges? The trial came out at a standstill again. The Jews accused Paul of many serious charges, but they were all unfounded and without evidence. Paul defended himself, but also with no proof to offer. Seeing this standstill, Festus asked Paul if he would be willing to go to a trial in Jerusalem that was led by Festus. It seems he desired to stay on the Jews' good side, while at the same time was trying to do the right thing. He probably didn't realize the Jews would plot to kill Paul on the way to the trial, which was their original plan. Verses 10 and 11. But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal, where I ought to be tried. I have done no wrong to the Jews, as you also very well know. If then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything worthy of death, I do not refuse to die. But if none of those things is true of which these men accuse me, no one can hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. Paul did not want to switch to Jerusalem for several reasons. First, he knew the journey would be dangerous. Second, the possibility of a fair trial was pretty much out of the question. Third, he knew he was to go to Rome and be a witness of Christ there. Paul took the approach that the Jews were not offended by his actions. Paul knew he was innocent before them. 
They simply wanted his life. Since his battle was because of his beliefs, the battle needed to be waged in the Roman courts to show that Christianity was not some random cult, but a religious that sprung from Judaism. If the latter was the case, then it would be protected under the Roman law instead of illegal. Paul clearly mentioned that if he had done something worthy of death, he was willing to take the penalty. But if there was not, he was ready to appeal this case to Caesar, the ruler of the Roman Empire. He was the man with the most power in the empire. But Caesars were not the ultimate rule in the empire. A senate also had great power. Verse 12. Then, when Festus had conferred with his consul, he answered, You have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar you shall go. Paul was a Roman citizen, and so it seems like he had the right to appeal his case to Caesar. Festus, after meeting with his council, granted Paul his request and would send him to Caesar. This would make a safe journey for Paul to Rome. Since he would be going as a prisoner, the soldiers would that would escort him would need to protect him. I can only imagine how this upset the Jews. Paul was now completely out of their reach. Verse 13. Now, when several days had elapsed, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived at Caesarea and paid their respects to Festus. King Agrippa is the same person as the son of Herod Agrippa I. This is the Herod that killed James the Apostle in Acts 12. So he was a descendant of Herod the Great, the Herod that killed the babies in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem, uh, Matthew 2.1. He is sometimes called Agrippa II. Around this time, Agrippa II was about 30 years old and ruler of the territories northeast of Palestine or Israel. Rome had given Agrippa II legal jurisdiction over the temple in Jerusalem, even the responsibility of choosing a high priest, and so because of his background, he was very qualified to hear Paul out, since he was acquainted with the Jewish religion. Agrippa II also had his sister Bernice living with him. There was a great suspicion that they had an incestuous relationship. Another sister of Agrippa II was Drusilla, Felix's wife. Agrippa II was the last Herod to rule in the Roman Empire, and his reign went until about 100 AD. Agrippa II came to Festus with Bernice's sister, and they came to pay their respects to Festus. Um, this could be to congratulate him or perhaps to be with him during a personal loss, we don't know. Verses 14 to 21. While they were spending many days there, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a man who was left as a prisoner by Felix. And when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews brought charges against him, asking for a sentence of condemnation against him. I answered them that it is not the custom of the Romans to hand over any man before the accused meets his accusers face to face and has an opportunity to make his defense against the charges. So, after they had assembled here, I did not delay, but on the next day took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought before me. When the accusers stood up, they began bringing charges against him, not of such crimes as I was expecting, but they simply had some points of disagreement with him about their own religion and about a dead man, Jesus, whom Paul asserted to be alive. Being at a loss how to investigate such matters, I asked whether he was willing to go to Jerusalem and there stand trial on these matters. But when Paul appealed 
to be held in custody for the emperor's decision, I ordered him to be kept in custody until I sent him to Caesar. While they were spending time together, Festus told Agrippa about Paul's case. How the case was <clears throat> from Felix and the Jewish leaders wanted Paul dead. Festus held a correct hearing and trial in Caesarea. Unexpected to Festus, the Jews simply had some points of religious disagreement, specifically about Jesus, who Paul knew was alive. Notice how he disregarded all the other civil accusations made of Paul. Festus said he didn't know how to deal with the case, so he offered Paul a trial in Jerusalem. This isn't completely true, as we know that he also desired to please the Jewish leaders as well. Instead, Paul appealed to Caesar. Looking at all this, Festus didn't have anything solid to send Paul to Caesar for. This was perhaps the main reason why Festus asked for Agrippa's help. Verses 22 to 24. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I also would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, he said, you shall hear him. So on the next day, when Agrippa came together with Bernice and great, amid great pomp, and entered the auditorium accompanied by the commanders and the prominent men of the city, at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. Festus said, King Agrippa, and all you gentlemen here present with us, you see this man about whom all the people of the Jews appealed to me, both at Jerusalem and here, loudly declaring that he ought not to live any longer. Festus's explanation caused the desired outcome for Festus. Agrippa wanted to hear Paul out. On the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came to the trial with much pomp or with great display of who they were probably for others to see their position, clothes, and ceremonies. They brought commanders and men of high position to the trial. It is so interesting that they would do this, because now Paul had the opportunity to speak to all of them, whereas before the opportunity would have been much rarer. Paul would speak to the Gentiles and kings, as Christ promised in Acts 9.15. Now, this is important. God so orchestrated all that the wise rulers, so to speak, of the day could not figure out the truth, giving Paul a greater opportunity to speak to higher-ranking people. These would also be without excuse. This truth that God is sovereign can be a great comfort in all situations. If we know that he is in control, then nothing that happens to us, even the bad, is out of his control. All will turn out for his glory and for our ultimate good. Do you believe this? Can you see God protecting Paul through these chapters? Protection doesn't always mean physical. It's not that God will always provide food or shelter. It's that his glory will end up being um, magnified. And so that is our greatest purpose. Paul was brought out into the assembly room, a prisoner for Christ. Festus gave what he knew of the situation without revealing the case, and Paul was there because the Jews, specifically the Jewish leaders, wanted him dead. The Jews declared it both in Jerusalem and Caesarea. Verses 25 to 27. But I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, and since he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to send him. Yet I have nothing definite about him to write to my lord. Therefore I have brought him before you all, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after the investigation has taken place, I may have something to write. For it seems absurd to me in sending a prisoner 
not to indicate also the charges against him. Festus finished his explanation of Paul, saying he didn't believe Paul was worthy of a death penalty. Paul himself had appeared to Caesar, and so Festus was going to send him there, but there was one major issue. He didn't feel like he had an accusation that was worthy of being taken to Caesar. Festus was especially hoping for help in this area. Agrippa, with his knowledge of the Jewish people and their ways, would hopefully be able to give a sentence worth sending the prisoner to the empire with, to the emperor with. Paul would be sent to Nero, who had still not made the great horrible decisions that would label his reign. At that moment, he was still considered a level-headed ruler. In the next chapter, hopefully you'll join us, we'll see Paul defend himself, but at the same time, he spoke of the gospel to these men of prominence. The upcoming defense is the longest of Paul's speeches in Acts.